Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. Hey, so this is week number three, um, episode number two. If you remember what I said last week, we started in episode number four, pretty much like Star Wars. Hey, if it's good enough for George Lucas, it's good enough for C3 Wellington. And uh, we jump right into the, me- into, into the middle of the series and then we've backtracked to the beginning. So message number three, episode two, we're talking about walk by the Spirit this morning. Walk by the Spirit. And we're gonna be camping out in Galatians chapter five. And pretty much everything we have to say today is coming from the book of Galatians, Paul addressing the church in Galatia. Uh, and uh, we're going to pull in from chapter 5, which has got a whole lot to talk to us about what it means to walk by the Spirit. But before we do that, can we pray? Yeah, we can. <laughs> Father God, I thank You for Your presence in this place. I thank You that You want to reveal truth to our hearts, to set us free, to love deeper, to move by faith to greater levels. Father, there's a, a whole lot of people that you want to pull into your family on the back of courageous faith. As we lean into your Holy Spirit, you want to open up truth to our hearts. You want to reform our identities back on the truth. God, there's so much you want to do. And so we ask that you'd have your way this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, you'd come, that you'd be on the words that have been preached, that you would open up our hearts to receive them. And that God, through this message, we will learn what it means again to walk by the Spirit, we pray in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, so Galatians 5 kicks us off. Paul just bringing to to bear on our hearts one of the greatest uh, uh, benefits, results of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is freedom. One of the greatest things that Jesus brings into our world is freedom. We talked about it last week that He's wanting to restore the home of your heart, that you were designed as a spiritual being to house and host the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. That was the design, but sin broke that design and the presence of God couldn't live in that place because sin and the presence of God couldn't coexist. But through Jesus, through Jesus by the blood shed for us, covering our sin, atoning, I'm still preaching, atoning for our, our, our transgressions, substituting our life for His. By believing in Him, we now can come into a place where our home can now become, our heart can now become a place where He can dwell. The home has been restored. And one of the, so that's an awesome, awesome thing. But what He also does, He takes us from captivity and slavery and brings us into a place of freedom. Because we are slaves to something, the book of Romans says, you're either gonna be a slave to righteousness or you're gonna be a slave to sin. And I know that seems like a tough pill to swallow, but here's the kicker, just try not sinning. Just, just give it a go. Just try an hour. Go an hour. You know what I mean? Like it's actually pretty much, it's pretty difficult because we are subordinate to some things. We like to think that we're the captains of our own ship, the master of our own destiny, but we are subordinate to something that is greater than us. It has greater power over us at a spiritual level. And Jesus came to set us free. Amen. Yeah? And so it says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The good news of the Gospel is Jesus calls us to freedom. God's desire for, for all of us is that we would have the opportunity, the ability, and the desire 
to do what will give us the greatest satisfaction. Do you know, like I said last week, we're trading. A great, it's a poor exchange. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the great exchange. Jesus' blood for our, for our salvation. He gave up heaven so that you and I could gain heaven. Now what a great exchange that is, but we have a, a poor exchange we can do where we give up all of what is on offer through Jesus for what we feel right now is gonna satisfy us. And we all know this because I don't know why we keep going back to drink from the well. It's like salty water, it never satisfies us. All but for a season and then we're left thirsty and hungry again. But there is freedom in Jesus to bring you into a place where you'll find satisfaction in Him. The only one that can satisfy you is Jesus. The only person, the only thing that can satisfy your heart's desire is Him. And so freedom to bring us to the point where we can go after, have the opportunity, the ability and the desire to bring what, go after what brings us the greatest satisfaction. You move down into Galatians 5. Say that again, Galatians 5, 13 to 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters and mums. Shout out to our mums this morning, come on. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Here we go, it just keeps coming back to the same point, the same command that Jesus gave us in John 13. A new commandment I give you, that you would love one another. That all of, all of the, the commandments can be summed up in two. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. The outcome of a newfound freedom in Christ is the ability to love like Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. The outcome of our newfound freedom in Christ is the ability to love like Jesus loves. You were called to freedom, so through love, so through love be servants to one another, it says in Galatians 5.13. This love is not optional. It's commanded. And it's very radical. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, we are called in our freedom to desire and seek the happiness of others with the same passion that we seek our own. Nah. <laughs> if you take this command seriously, it is so contrary to our natural desires, is it not? It seems utterly impossible that I should feel as much concern for your needs as for my own seems utterly beyond my power. If this is the Christian life, caring for others as I care for myself, then it is hard indeed, and I feel hopeless to ever live it out. Does anyone feel the same as I feel about this? How do you love somebody else like you love yourself? Thankfully, Paul answers this discouragement that I feel, and maybe you feel, he answers it and it's found in the same scripture in Galatians 5 verses 16 to 18. How do we love as Jesus loves? How do we live up to this command that our Saviour gives us? 
Has He set the bar so high that it's impossible that we're just going to end up just like the Old Testament uh, followers of God trying to fulfill a, a mandate and a commandments and a law that we just can't do? Or is this Christian life possible? Galatians 5, 16 to 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The secret to this Christian life is learning to walk by the Spirit. If the Christian life looks too hard, we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves. We must live it by the Spirit of God. The command of love is not a new legalistic burden laid on your back and laid on my back. It is what happens freely when we walk by the Spirit. People who try to love without relying on God's Spirit always wind up trying to fill their own emptiness rather than sharing their fullness. As so, love ceases to be kingdom love, gospel love. Come on, love is not easy for us, but the good news is that it is not our primary work but God's. We must simply learn to walk by the Spirit. So let's pray and get out of here, shall we? Or shall we unpack this a bit further, right? (laughs) I want to build this message this morning around three questions. Classic three, what, why, and how, okay? What, why, and how. Number one, what is this walking by the Spirit? Number two, why is it crucial to walk by the Spirit? And number three, how, hopefully very practically, can we walk by the Spirit? Are you with me? It's great. (laughs) What about the rest of you? Are you with me? Come on, people. Pentecostal church, you can talk back. Are you with me? All right, what is walking by the Spirit? So first, we, we, we need to ask this question. There are two images in the context uh, of this Scripture passage we're looking at, which will shed some light on what it means to walk by the Spirit. The first you'll find in verse 18, it says that if you are led by the Spirit and not under the law, okay? If you are led by the Spirit. Notice Paul said led and not follow. He didn't say if you follow the Spirit, you will not be under the law. He says if you are led by the Spirit. You've got to understand, this is not the same as uh, the Holy Spirit's like a Sherpa leading you up Mount Everest, okay? He's not like saying, follow me. I'm going to show you the way. It's going to get real flipping hard. You're going to need some oxygen to breathe. People sometimes die on this mission, <laughs> but I know the way. Not that kind of lead. Instead, it's like hooking your engine your carriage to a train and he's the blooming engine and he's taking you somewhere. It's like hooking yourself to the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead you by pulling you somewhere. 
under his power, under his direction, under his authority, under his counsel, under his guidance. It's an important distinction. We do not follow in our own strength, people. We are led by his power. Come on, so walking by the Spirit means staying hooked up to the divine source of power and going wherever He leads. It requires, again, this wonderful word called surrender. To be led by the Holy Spirit means that someone else is in control. Someone else is in the lead. You're not just following in your own volition. When you're hooked to a train, you're going where the train goes. So what we tend to do is we tend to unhook. And then we put our foot out the side of our caboose and we try to push our thing along at our own strength. And we wonder why sometimes this Christian life is exhausting. Because it was never meant to be led under your power and under your strength and under your ability and under your giftedness. It was meant for all of those things to be hooked to a power source called the Holy Spirit that would pull you into places where He wants to take you to come onto the glory of Jesus Christ. The second image of our walking in the Spirit we find in verse 22. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. Today we're not unpacking the fruit of the Spirit, but it's to say that this is another way on the how we walk by the Holy Spirit. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Lean in with me here. If our Christian walk is to be a walk of love and joy and peace, then to walk by the Spirit must mean bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Let me unpack this further for you. You gotta understand that the emphasis yet again here is not on your fruit. The emphasis here again is on His fruit. The fruit of the, His fruit. I think Paul might have stolen his reference here from Jesus. And if you're gonna plagiarize anyone, man, plagiarize Jesus, right? If you're gonna use anyone's stories, man, use Jesus' stories, that's a pretty good place to go. It's a good well to drink from. But Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, he says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he is the one who will bear much fruit. So walking by the Spirit means abiding in the vine. Keeping yourself securely united to Jesus. Don't cut yourself off from the flow of the Spirit. The flow of the Spirit comes when we're plugged into a relationship with Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ. So to answer our first question, what is this walking by the Spirit? We can answer it like this. It's being led by the Spirit and it's bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is emphasised, yet the command is for us to do something. Our wills are involved, people. You're not just doing nothing. There is a, there is a part for you to play in this process. We must want to be coupled to the locomotive. We must want to abide in the vine. 
And there are some things we can do to keep ourselves attached to the flow of God's power. Before we get there, let's ask the second question. Why is it crucial to walk by the Spirit? Hmm. This is where we're gonna camp out most of this morning. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The incentive for walking by the Spirit is that when you do this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you hear that? Do you hear it as a promise? It's a promise. It's not a command. In fact, some versions have this kind of worded in a way that it says, it it almost seems like it loses the sense of the promise of it. Almost puts it back on us of having to try to white knuckle our our, our way to to appeasing God. And, And that's not the case here. The case is if you abide in Jesus and if you attach your locom- yourself to the locomotive of the Holy Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a promise. It's God's promise for you and for me. When you come on, when you're coupled, you won't. You will not gratify, you will not satisfy, give into, give pleasure to, fulfill the desires of the flesh, which he goes on to list. And I don't think we need to unpack that. I think when we know when we're in the Spirit and I think we know when we're in the flesh. If we don't, I'm gonna help you in a second. But another version says, you will not carry out. If you've been led by the Spirit, you will not carry out the works of the flesh. It's a promise from God. So the first reason we should walk by the Spirit is that when we do, the desires of our flesh are overcome. They're beaten. They're the things that make you feel good for a moment and make you feel filthy the next moment. They're the things that make you feel good for a second and come in and accuse you and make you feel stink the next moment. They're the things that keep you anxious and worried and concerned. They're the things that hold you back from stepping into the things that God's got from you, got for you, because you're, you're fearful. They're the things that, hold, that, that tell you you can't do it, you're not good enough. All these things that do not come from the Spirit of God, but come from the flesh. They come from another place, they come from an, and they're not from God. When you abide in Jesus, and when you hook yourself to the Holy Spirit, He's saying a promise, you will overcome that. You will not be beaten by that. You'll be free of it. Okay, so time out, Steve. (laughs) All this flesh talk, it's very, very weird. (laughs) It's very unusual to talk about flesh. (laughs) What is this flesh that you're mentioning? Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna help you out. Anyone else wanna know what the flesh is? Don't raise your hand, I'm just inside. Rhetorical question, I don't wanna put you on the spot. But let's unpack it, shall we? Can we unpack the flesh? All right, most of the time it does not simply refer to the physical part of you. You know, these big biceps, for example. Don't laugh, Caleb. <laughs> the flesh is the ego, oh, whoops. <laughs> The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try and fill it. I'm gonna say that again. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try and fill it. Flesh is the I who tries to satisfy me 
with anything but God's mercy. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness but loathes the idea of satisfying it by faith. (laughs) That is dependent on the mercy of God and Christ. Instead, the flesh prefers to use resources in its own power to fill its emptiness. As Romans 8 verse 7 says, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. The basic mark of the flesh is that it's unsubmissive. It's unsubmissive. It does not want to submit to God's absolute authority or rely on God's absolute mercy. Flesh says, I'd rather do it myself. It's not surprising then that there is a war between our flesh and God's spirit, yeah? Galatians 5 verse 17 says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and then the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you don't, you want to do. The main thing to learn from this verse is that Christians experience a struggle within. Christians experience a struggle within. I hope this is good news for you today, people. If you said to yourself when I was describing the flesh, well, I have a lot of that still in me, you're not alone. I put my hand up too. We can all put our hand up to that. This isn't a you need to just do better kind of speech, kind of preach. This is we're all in the same boat, but there's a rescuer to us and for us. A Christian is not a person who experiences no bad desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with the desires by the power of the Holy Spirit. Conflict in your soul is not all bad. There is something worse than war, which is waged between flesh and spirit. No war. When the flesh controls the castle of your heart and all of the outposts of your life, Come on, praise God for the war within. Come on, praise God for the war within. Let me tell you, brother, let me tell you, sister, that war that you feel, that sense of, oh my gosh, that feel of, of it sometimes overcomes you and you feel, you know, well, what, how do I, I feel bad? Well, come on, let's just encourage you that that is the Spirit of God and you rising up trying to help you overcome something. Let it assure you of your salvation. Let it assure you that you've got a good God who's on a mercy track with you, pulling you to a future in Him. Come on, serenity in sin is death, man. The opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. Come on, one of the greatest movies ever made of all time. Hallelujah. (laughs) Love me a good war movie. But this, this, this D-Day and the storming the beaches of Normandy and all these uh, soldiers, mostly American, whatever, are pouring out onto the beach and the Germans are in fortified positions just mowing them down with machine guns, but they've got to advance the beach. They've got to take the land. And so just wave after wave of courageous men taking the beach. And uh, you see them saving Private Ryan, you see two kinds of people. You see petrified soldiers pushing forward with courage, but freaking out, and you see really peaceful people, not freaking at all, just lying there. The difference is one was alive and one was dead. The dead person isn't fearful of, the, of what's in front of them. They're not, fear, they're not trying to take the ground at all. They're dead. 
but the one that's fearful but pushing forward. Come on, the one that's got that courage, I'm gonna take the ground, that addiction's not gonna beat me, that sin's not over, pornography's not gonna be the end of me. I'm gonna take this ground by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my own strength, but by hitching myself to Him and abiding in Jesus. We can walk by the Spirit. Back to teaching, I apologise. Apologise. Come on, the Spirit has landed to do battle with the flesh. So take heart if your soul feels like a battlefield at times. The sign of whether you are indwelt by the Spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with them. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, I know I've read this, but we're just gonna keep reading it. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. It's not about you trying to stop doing that thing. It's about you just resting and coming to God and saying, I surrender, I need you. Being led, not like a Sherpa, but by a train. This is the way through. This is the overcoming life. This is the life that will lead you to the purpose on your life, the potential on your life, the God's stamp on your life. Not by you just trying to be a better person, but by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Come on, the main point of these verses is not war, but victory, amen? When you walk by the Spirit, you'll not let those bad desires come to maturity. When you walk by the Spirit, you will nip the desires of the flesh in the bud. It's a real American saying, nip it in the bud. Like a flower bud, people, all right? Not the, all right, when you walk by the Spirit, I said that, <laughs> new God-centered desires crowd out old man-centered desires. This is the crazy thing. As you hook your, you might think, I don't even know if I want that. The crazy thing is, Lord, as you start this journey of I'm gonna give this thing a go, man, I'm gonna surrender my life, all of a sudden new desires start popping off inside you. You don't know why you wanna give money to that person or you don't know why that upsets you so much to read it because God's doing something in Chris's life through that. The Holy Spirit is, is moving on the inside of him. Oh my gosh, this is what happens when he gets on you. Things start to shift, your desires start to change. Think about what you desire right now. What you desire is where your life is heading. It's the reality that your life is pointing to. What is the greatest desire of your life right now? What do you think about the most? What do you desire the most? Is that the trajectory you want your life to be on? There is a promise of victory over the desires of the flesh. Not that there, were, there won't be a war, but that the winner of that war will be the Spirit. Amen. Galatians 5, 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hallelujah. When Paul said the flesh has been crucified, it's that the decisive battle has been fought and won by the Spirit. Come on, the rampart of your heart has been won over. He's planted his flag, child of God, son of God, heir to the throne. You are his, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. The victory has been won, but that does not mean that there's not some outline battles, some little skirmishes, some guerrilla warfare tactics in your life that are still trying to have this way. And that's the battle we have to face, each one of us. Outline pockets of resistance. <laughs> Uh, I wrote here, the gorillas of the flesh will not lay down their arms and must be fought back daily. Amen, I don't know, it's the guerrilla warfare, man. It's dirty, it's messy. It takes daily fighting. 
And it's cool because the, our weapons of warfare are a lot different. Man, we can fight on our knees. We can fight in a place of surrender, from a place of peace, because we've got the one who can reign victorious over every spirit, over everything that comes against us. Come on. Woo, back to teaching. Only way to do it is by the Spirit, and that's what it means to walk by the Spirit, people. So live that He gives victory over the dwindling, resistant movement of the flesh. The reason that we must walk by the Spirit is that when we do, our flesh is conquered. All right, in 37 seconds, can I unpack how? (laughs) I probably can't, let's give it a go. How to walk by the Spirit, you with me still? Last question, how do we do it? You may hear preachers say, let the Spirit lead you, or allow the Spirit to control you, or these sorts of things, and you've gone away kind of puzzled. What does that mean practically? It almost feels kind of like, you know, just let the Spirit lead you. Okay, thank you, preacher. I have no idea what I need to do right now. Give me some meat and potatoes, man. Give me the next step. What do I do? How do I begin this journey of being led? You know? How do you allow the Spirit to lead you, yeah? You allow the Spirit to lead you by keeping your heart happy with God. That sounds really flowery and ambiguous, doesn't it? I'm gonna unpack it. Just be happy, people. Amen, let's go. No. But this is really important. There is a delight. I would hope to think that you delight in the presence of God, in a relationship with Jesus. That you delight in this walk. It's not a standing still. I love that the Christian life is is explained as a walk. That we're moving. That we're going somewhere. Some of us are like almost two-year-old children. Or two, is she two yet? Yeah, that's right, birthday, that's right, yes, yes. Some of us are like two-year-old kids, but we're still moving and going somewhere, and we're growing up, and we fall down, and we get up, and we fall down, and we get up, but we're growing, and we're moving, and... But we need to make sure our hearts are happy in God. Can I put it another way for you? You walk by the Spirit when your heart is resting in the promises of God. Your heart, you'll be walk, you'll walk by the Spirit when your heart is resting, keyword, in the promises of God. Come on, the Spirit reigns over the flesh in your life when you live by the faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave Himself up for you and now is working everything together so that it is good. How then do we walk by the Spirit? I think the answer is plain. We stop trying to fill the emptiness of our lives with hundreds of pieces of the world and we put our souls to rest in God. The Spirit will work the miracle of renewal in your life when you start meditating on His unspeakable promises day and night and resting on them. I'm telling you something, this might sound kind of flunzy, kind of like weak, like this is, I wanted to punch you. Give me something punchy, Pastor Steve. Let me tell you something. When was the last time you spoke the promises of God over your life? When was the last time you went to the back to the prophecies that has been spoken over your life and spoke them out again over your life afresh? Took them whole and said, that is for me. I'm telling you something. That will bring the Spirit in and connect with you and that will overcome some flesh. I'm telling you, you need to get back to the promises. 
to get back to the promises of God. I need to get back to the promises of God. This is the antidote. This is the thing, the Word of God. And I'm telling you something, when you've got the Word of God spoken over your life, nothing can shake you. Nothing can stop that. I'm telling you, in this journey of pastoring, already it's just been a crazy two years, three years of carrying the vision, two years of actually walking it out, and it's not easy. But in no moment in my world have I ever thought about it's not for me or quitting, because the Word of God holds me fast. When He speaks, you know, it's true. You can take it to the bank. The promises of God for you and for me are what will energize and bring life into your spirit. It will energize you. Come on, brothers and sisters. When was the last time you grabbed hold of the promises of God for you? Can I encourage you that this is not, we need to do this daily. We need to speak truth over the lie because the lie is masqueraded as truth. The lie is that this thing will satisfy you is a lie, but it's masqueraded as absolute truth and we buy it. We buy it like that late night infomercial. We think that that set of steak knives is gonna be the best set of steak knives ever. I don't, I don't know about you, these Shakti mats. I don't know if they're any good. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Anyone seen these things? You know, they are great. Well, I hope they are because my newsfeed on Facebook's full of it right now. But I'm just saying there are things that are, they, they appear better than they really are. And we buy it. We buy it like a person on the couch at 2 a.m. with, with the <laughs> infomercials. That's back in the day. I don't think we do that anymore, do we? But come on. He works when we are resting in His promises. It seems so counterintuitive that the way forward is to rest. The way forward is to surrender. That momentum comes when you hitch to Him and let Him lead, not do it in your own strength. It seems counterintuitive. But I'm telling you, this is the way forward to walk in the Spirit and into the future that God has promised for you and into the potential of touching many lives through you. George Mueller wrote this. He says, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished Now, what is the food for the inner man? The Word of God. George Mueller learned the secret of walking by the Spirit, meditating on the truths of the Word of God until your heart is happy in God and resting in His promises. I just wish it would just be so much more like if I just do this, 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 and like a, like a combination lock. If I could just go 13, 34, 36, and click, it's gonna work, but it's actually just a laying down. And we've got into this, you, you, the reason, do, you, do you see what's happening in culture? Come and join me, bro, that'd be awesome. What's happening in culture is well, our lives have got so busy. Isn't it true? In the, it was like 1890 something, they did a survey uh, across America of the necessities of life. And in 1896, it was uh, from the survey of thousands of people, it was determined that there was something like 36 necessities of life clothing, shelter, running water, these sorts of things, yeah, uh, a, a bed, whatever. These were the necessities of life. A hundred years later, they did the same survey and the list of necessities had tripled. All of a sudden, we need three times the things that we don't, not wants, needs. Things that we think we absolutely need. And I would say that in the last 20 years, that's just gone like this. 
We don't know how to create space anymore. Josh Kelsey from C3 New York City, I was listening to his, uh, his message this week and he said that it's not a sin to be tired. Of course, it's not a sin to be tired. We all get tired. Jesus got tired, but it is a sin not to rest. So much comes from just stopping and resting. God just wants you to rest. He just wants me to rest in His presence. He just wants us to be still and know that He is God. Pastor Steve, you need to know that the Bible says that God will build His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lest He builds it, we labour in vain. Same goes for your life and mine. What by striving can we achieve, but yet by resting in the presence of God, hooking ourselves to His locomotive and being pulled into a future that's so bright you cannot comprehend, friend. You and I are called to walk in the Spirit. So much of culture today is gonna be counter kingdom culture. We need to identify that. And we need to be the head, not the tail. We need to encourage each other into kingdom culture, into rest, into coming from a place of overflow, from a place of fullness.